Welcome to the EEO Studio, a podcast produced by DCI Consulting Group. Hi, and welcome to the EEO Studio. My name is Rosemary Cox. I'm a senior consultant with DCI Consulting, and I'm here today with my co-host and senior manager of EEO and diversity and inclusion at DCI, Kelly Wilson. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to our podcast. So today we're going to continue on, on our series. The series is Civility, Moving Forward Together. Hopefully most of you were able to listen to the first podcast uh, where we heard from our friend and acclaimed researcher, Dr. Mark Nagy, um, who is director of the IO Psychology Master's Program at Xavier University in Cincinnati and also owns his own business called Marcus Management Consultants. Um, if you listened, um, if you haven't listened, please take a moment to listen. Um, it's all recorded for you. But Mark shared with us some incredible research around civility in the workplace. Um, he talked about the results. He talked about an index that they've created. Um, he talked about ways organizations can utilize the research and, and how to train and talk about civility within your workforce. Um, it was a fascinating discussion, so I really would encourage you to take a listen to that that podcast. But today, we are so fortunate to have with us Debbie Curlnagy, who is a managing partner with Man uh, Marcus Management Consultants. Um, Debbie has more than 15 years of experience developing and providing training, consultation, assessment services, development work in, H in the HR space and has been doing a lot of work with organizations to create a culture of civility, which is so important these days. So welcome to the show, Debbie. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. We're so happy to have you. So first of all, can you share a little bit more about your background and maybe define civility kind of from your perspective and talk about how you became interested in this work? Sure, sure. So I have kind of a, I guess, a weird background. Um, Kind of, I started out um, in social work. I have a master's in social work and worked in um, child welfare for a while, um, but kind of started moving into a space where I was really looking more to impact more macro level um, changes that would impact people. So started doing more in kind of the organizational development space still a lot of times in nonprofit organizations. And, um, you know, through my experiences, I, I became a certified Six Sigma black belt, which, you know, when I tell people I'm a MSW and a Six Sigma black belt, usually I get lots of, lots of weird stares um, as those things don't seem like they fit together very well. But I think that the background has really um, given me a different perspective as I look at organizations and, have that understanding of people and their dyna the dynamics of groups and teams, as well as coming from a very disciplined, structured process to look at how do you make improvement in organizations. Um, and really, some of my experiences as a Six Sigma black belt and helping organizations to improve processes, um, I've seen where the importance of civility is in organizations because I can come in and say, here's how you improve your, your work and be very technical. But if people aren't respectful, if they're not getting along, and if we don't do those kinds of interventions with a respect for the people doing the work, uh, any success that you get is going to be short term and it's, it's not going to last. Um, so, you know, I, the experience I've had in organizations has really brought me to a place where I saw that, you know, this 
concept of civility, which I think at a very basic level is about mutual respect. Um, and that how that mutual respect will help organizations and people to flourish, um, building more effective relationships that lead to more productivity and higher performance and, and happier people. You know, one of the things that, that we had asked Mark, you know, you don't learn, uh, you, you should learn from your parents, obviously, but you don't learn about necessarily respect in the workplace and how to treat each other. There's no guidebooks. You don't really learn about that in school necessarily. So you have kind of a conglomeration of people with unfortunate backgrounds where they've been in, in a world of hate or discourse or, or whatever, bringing that into the workplace. Um, so how does a company even start to recognize for one and then address those things? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think that, um, you know, what we see a lot of times is when we're talking to companies and we see it as something that it's about um, civility as an underlying component of the problems that they're seeing, you know, because it impacts uh, turnover and it, you know, people leaving it and it impacts um, teamwork. And you, you hear, you know, supervisors talking about how, you know, dealing with conflict between employees or dealing with conflict with employees themselves and, you know, tell me how to fix this, you know, and they, and they want to put the blame all on, you know, an individual. Um, but it really, you know, starts with leaders have to take a hard look at, you know, how they're role modeling um, civility and respect for their employees um, and for each other at the top of, of the organization and understanding that um, it's, it's a culture. You have to look at the culture and see how you're helping to promote civility and respect um, by addressing issues as they come up and not waiting till they become big problems um, and setting the tone that says, you know, I respect you and I expect you to respect each other. Do you use um, any of the research that, that Mark has done in your training or how does, talk about kind of if a company has concerns and they contact you, kind of what does that look like? How do you start the conversation? Do you use this research? Um, kind of what, what happens there? Sure, sure. So, you know, I think um, it varies. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, kind of in the ideal, what we, we like to do and, you know, using the research is, you know, the assessment that um, Mark has developed from the ground up, the multi-factor assessment of civility, um, really, if we can use that assessment first to understand better what really is happening within the company, where are the pockets of high civility and low civility, um, are there issues with coworker civility or supervisor civility, or is it something where the the employees are seeing this as an environment where it's not, they don't feel like the company is promoting respect and civility in the workplace. You know, it really gives us a lot of information that we can say, here, this is what things look like in your company, and here's where we would recommend starting. You know, if you want to change the culture, 
Um, and that's what it is. It's a culture change. Um, you know, we talk work, workplace civility training is what we talk about. And, you know, the EEOC is recommending um, workplace civility training to, to build respect in the workplace. But it's not, it's more than just a training because, you know, training can focus on skill development and give you knowledge. But if you want to change the culture, it takes, you know, it really takes a long term repeated reinforcement and leadership accountability for that. So, so the training is a piece of it, but there's so much more to it than that. And the assessment helps us to kind of lay that groundwork of what needs to happen and where some of your low points are and where some of your high points are to build off of. Um, and then from that, we can tailor the training and the interventions to be able to address where they're at as a company. So it, it really isn't a one size fits all. Um, even though there's core components that we found are helpful um, and will help um, us in the company to be successful in, in transitioning that culture to be a culture of uh, more of respect and civility. Um, so, you, you know, the research that, that's out there on civility, um, the, the work that Mark has done specifically, you know, we're very in our firm and in our work we want to take that science and apply it in the workplace to help organizations to be more effective. So we are very intentional about um, grounding ourselves in that science and, you know, trying to help companies to understand that. Uh, that being said, that's not always the way that it happens. <laughs> so, um, you know, we can say that we think assessment is best. Let's start with this assessment. Um, and the company will say, you know, um, can we just do a half day training or um, do you have two hours of a training? You know, I just I just they don't um, initially necessarily understand how that reinforced uh, or how that long term kind of investment is going to pay um, bigger returns. Um, and so I we're a strong believer of starting where the client is at. You know, so uh, we will, we do have, you know, half day sessions to help bring about some more awareness of what civility is and get people to start talking about how they would define civility uh, within their company and, um, you know, kind of build towards getting people really to start seeing this as something that is important and that they can work on and then hopefully get them to pick up some of the other things, use the assessment then, and then if there's a need for a more deeper dive and a, a longer term intervention um, for the company to be willing to benefit, um, to invest in that. Because what we know is that there are a lot of costs to incivility in, in the workplace. And, you know, those start at a low level where they may not even be aware of what's happening before they get to an area where it's, you know, it's something serious where, uh, employee is either going to bring a complaint um, or they're just going to leave um, and then you've got the cost of that turnover so you know i think it's a lot of it is you know educating the client um, and trying to get to that ideal what we know is like the best case scenario but sometimes you just have to kind of start where they're at and and hope that that initial piece will help them to start to learn and then build to where they need to get to Debbie, I think, you know, that all sounds great. And I was wondering if you've seen, um, are, are companies that are coming to you, are they typically coming to you for to be proactive or are they typically reacting to something that's brought to their attention? Have you Right now, it's reactive. 
to to be honest. It's you know it's typically reactive. Um, I think as you know, Mark and I first started designing this work, um, you know, looking at how we would provide solutions to um, the assessment of civility. Uh, you know, we our goal is really to be able to be more proactive. You know, to promote a culture of respect and civility that will um, help to curb uh, behaviors that are uncivil, to curb harassment in the workplace, to foster inclusion, um, and you know, build more effective teams and, and improve the company overall. Uh, but I, you know, companies tend I see this in all the work that I do with companies. People tend to be more reactive, and they wait until there's a problem before. They're, they're willing to step in, up and, and do something. So most of our work has been a reaction to, I've got this problem, you know, can you come in and fix it <laughs> kind of a, a, a thing. We are trying to work now towards, you know, we've, we've developed a couple of trainings that we feel are more on the preventative side. And, you know, we're talking about that more and trying to promote that because you know, we'd love to be able to get in there and help companies to be able to prevent um, those bigger issues from happening and, and have that better um, culture within the organization. And when they're coming to you in this reactive state, do you typically get contacted by which decision, which decision makers? Is it legal? Is it HR? Is it diversity <laughs> inclusion? Is it compliant? Do you have a, you have a uh, full yeah. check on <laughs> all of them? Um, and it, you know, it depends. I mean, the, the most recent one that uh, training that we did, which was more, you know, it was a three month, almost four month intervention. It was a, a smaller business. And, and I think sometimes that is, you know, makes a difference in terms of who contacts you. Um, you know, it was the president of the company um, that reached out directly and then we worked with their um with his um HR person you know to actually implement it but it it was the president that reached out to us so um you know sometimes it's uh HR you know oftentimes it's somebody higher um so we've you know we have had VPs and CEOs and COOs um come, reach out to us as well which you know when you have somebody that's at that level um in the C-suite that is, you know, unfortunately there is a reaction at this point, but we need their, them um, to be able to be successful. So if they're realizing that this is something that's important and we can engage them from the beginning in saying this is important and helping to role model um, the behaviors that, um, that you wanna see and then stepping up to, to be accountable to ensuring that people are treating each other well with respect and when they aren't that they're they're going to support um, making people be compliant to the policies that are in place and holding people accountable regardless of what their level or you know track record is within the company so even if they're the high performers that are making you lots of money um, if they're not being civil within the organization and they're causing turnover or low productivity from other people, that's costing you. Um, and you have to hold those people accountable and, and be willing to step up. Absolutely. So I have a, a question. So I did um, some bias training for a company, a lot of managers, a lot of sessions. 
And the way that company publicized it is they made it mandatory. This, mm -hmm. you know, this is bias tra unconscious bias training. All managers have to go to it. And that really set such a negative tone. People came in, you could just see an attitude, you know, and a chip on their shoulders. How would you recommend publicizing or, or talking about this type of training once you've been called in? Um, so our experience too has been that it's been mandatory um, as well. Um, and, and definitely I think that people will react um, oftentimes negatively towards that mandatory training. Um, I also think that it's also an effect of, uh, you know, a lot of training that's been in this space around harassment, uh, diversity issues, you know, it, it can be set up in a way that makes some people feel blamed or like put on the spot and, and negative. And so you can get some of that reaction as well. Um, so I, my experience is that, you know, I know when people are being told, uh, voluntold um, or pushed to be in something that there's going to be some pushback on that or resistance to it right from the start. So we deal with it up front um, and also talk about from the beginning how this is going to look, what we're working on in terms of building cult, um, the you know, respect and civility. And also our, our approach is to start with identifying what people have in common and what their roles are in pursuing that common purpose and how each other's roles enhance the ability to achieve that common purpose. Um, before we get into all of the definitions of civil and incivil behavior and, and you know, how we're gonna approach that. And I think by focusing people on that common goal and how they all fit into it, it changes the dynamic um, and, and helps to get them talking to each other and looking at things differently. You know, for example, uh, we've done this recently with a group that um, they were at a senior manager level um, within the organization and just lots of incivility. One person in, the, in, um, in particular was uh, kind of the bad apple in the group, but they all had some issues that were going on in terms of how they related to each other. And, and they definitely came in with that, you know, you know when people don't want to be there, they come in with the folded arms and you know, all the body language there saying, hey, you know, I don't want to be here. I don't want to participate. Um, but we asked them to first define what they thought was their common goal or purpose. Um, and and the, they they were able to um, define that and then have them each talk about what their role was in, in helping to achieve that. And they kept it kind of brief and limited as they each talked about it. The next time I came, you know, we, we scheduled these types of trainings two weeks apart and I came back the next week and I said, okay, going to test your knowledge here. Um, I want, I'm going to randomly assign you another person in this group and I want you to tell me what they do that helps you achieve that common purpose and, and goal. And, you know, I wasn't sure what I would get. Um, 
And what we found was that when they were forced to sit down there and really look at what the other person was doing, um, it was really powerful in that they were able to describe all the ways that the, the people contributed. And I had one, one participant that was almost in tears because she felt like no one really knew or understood what she did. And when she heard other people saying how what her work did helped them to achieve their work better and their goals, it, it emotionally was very powerful for her. And it was like a breakthrough at that point for people to be able to um, start seeing each other in a different light um, and helped us set the tone for moving into some of the other work about how their communications were not civil and some of the behaviors that they were doing, not realizing that they were um, making other people feel bad or that they were not respected. So yeah, you, it's always hard when it's mandatory, but I do think that in this space that um, a lot of times it will be. Um, you know, this may be fitting right. into somebody's annual compliance training. Yeah, and they're going to have yeah. everybody go through it because everybody has to be a part of it at some point. So, right. um, it, I guess it's or, setting the tone. It's, it's result, not man. Go ahead. Yeah, if it's if it's a result of like the complaint, like you said, if it's if they're clearly reacting to something, then it's kind of hard not to make it negative. Yeah, but mandatory. you know, and the the other thing that we did. Um, with this group in particular and uh, was we we asked we asked the the president of the company who had who had invited us in to kind of write a email or a letter to the people who were going to be participating explaining why they were being invited to participate in this in this training um what the goals were from it what his expectations were and how it linked to his vision for the company. Um, and he did a really nice job of that, as well as met with each person individually prior to the kickoff of the training to talk with them individually about why this was important and why he wanted them to participate. And I think that that, you know, getting that leadership kind of really championing, championing the work um, and, and showing that it's important to meeting the goals rather than it being punitive. I think that you can make it mandatory and set a more positive tone. Definitely. That's definitely. Um, you know, you made me laugh a little while ago when you were talking about, you know, you have half day sessions or full day sessions, or, you know, you can really kind of tailor sessions to whatever a company needs, which is great. But so often, to your point, people will say, you know, oh, I know your session is a four hour session, but but can you do it in an hour? Um, <laughs> you really right. only have an hour. Um, so, have you? How do you? How do you react to those? And then, what kind of follow up? Because I'm sure once people get in there, people see that your training is so much different than the typical canned out of the box training. And there, there's got to be follow up because this is not just a one time session. Right. Yeah. So um, mainly, you know. When it's intervention level where you've got some real issues and problems with a specific work group, um, whether that's because the client has come to us and said, I want you to work with this work group or the ideal setting where we've done an assessment and it's pinpointed a specific work group. You know, we do that over three or four months um, where we're meeting with them every other week for a couple hours at a time and 
in between those sessions, there's homework. Um, so, you know, we talk about skills and communication, effective communication, um, and then, you know, there's assignments to practice some of this stuff and bring back reflections on, you know, what they're seeing changing, you know, and that's very intentional because, again, this, we're trying to change a culture and change a team interaction and, you, you know, you have to apply this for it to, to work and for it to stick. Um, and so at first, of course, there's like this eye roll. It's like you're, you're back teaching, like teaching kids, like in middle school or something, you know, you get these eye rolls homework. What do you mean? I've got homework. Uh, but, you know, they do the homework for the most part and, you know, they get excited about, um, what they're learning and being able to apply things and to see those changes. Um, over time. And, you know, I, I know when you talk to Mark about the assessment, he, uh, I'm not sure if he shared, but we do that pre and post so that we can see if there's changes um, in perceptions and behaviors following the training. Um, and, and what we're getting is, is there are after that time period. But, you know, in terms of like when people are pushing for shorter training, um, you know, we have developed, like I said, a one day and a half day um, for that. But I, I try to be very clear up front that, you know, if you're if you're doing a four hour training, this is what you can expect in terms of the outcomes from that versus if you were doing a full day versus if you're doing a, a an intervention level where it's three to six months, because it's not going to be the same outcomes. Um, and I want to be up front with with what you can expect um, from that. Um, and, you know, we've also kind of gone back and forth on, you know, what's, what are we willing to, you know, how short of a, how short of a program are we willing to do? Um, and, you know, I think both of us, you know, Mark and I and, uh, and the people that work with us in our firm, you know, we have a strong belief that we want to do things that are going to be effective. And so, um, you know, we can, we can do it a little bit shorter, but we're not going to go in and just do an hour training just for the sake of saying we did a training for somebody and, and you can pay us because we want to we want them to get real results from it. Um, and, and we're upfront with people about that. So um, sometimes that may mean that people decide not to go with us and, you know, that's their choice. But they in that event, then they're probably not going to get real results from um, the training that they're doing. So. Um, we're hoping to make a real impact when we do our work. And the hope is if we if we do a shorter, like a half day type of training, they'll see what they get from that, but then they'll say, you know what, we want more um, because we do want to make a change and we want it to be different. And are these trainings, do you typically find success in not just doing training and awareness, but is it more of a working session where you're helping them to define what those behaviors look like in their organization and almost come up with like a code of conduct that you can almost um, train on the, to, to new employees and to make more make employees more aware of it, so that it's not you know hidden or or untalked about code of conduct. So yeah, I guess I'm going to recap, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is um, what we're really you know, and this is why we want more time as we're you know when we're saying we're we're coming in, we're not just doing a you know, a, a canned training and 
um, it, it really is more about customizing and personalizing it to the company or to the work group because you know I, I sure as Mark talked with you about the research you know civility is locally defined it's not the same for everyone there's some ambiguity there and it's important for them at a work group level to be able to define it if you really want to have people be accountable for it um, and to be able to address when there's issues and concerns. So there's common elements that you can set organizationally, um, I think at a high level and, and then allowing uh, teams, you know, departments, work groups and teams to be able to personalize it to make it real for them. Um, and have ownership in it because they've been able to, to, to define it. So, you know, in our training, we're helping to create awareness of why this is important and what some of the costs and benefits are related to incivility and civility. Um, teach some skills for communicating and, and resolving conflicts. But the core, de the core deliverable out of this is for them to create their code of civility. And, and that has group defined definition of civility um, and what those specific behaviors um, are that are recognized as being civil behaviors within that work group. So, you know, for example, may start out as, you know, something like, you know, why do you think that so-and-so is being uncivil um, and, and not respecting you. Well, whenever I send them an email, you know, I send out these emails and no one ever responds to me. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Why are people not responding to you? What is the, what is something that would be considered acceptable in terms of email responses for this group? And, you know, one example I had with that is someone didn't know who the right person was to send an email to. So, they just send it out to everybody and hope someone would answer. And of course, then everybody is like, well, that's not my job. You know, I'm not going to answer it. Um, <laughs> and right. I even had people say, well, I knew the answer to it, but it wasn't really my responsibility. So I just didn't answer it. Um, you know, I was waiting for so uh, for Susie to answer it because it really was Susie's responsibility. You know, and and people are, <laughs> well, I thought, you know, I didn't know who I was supposed to ask. So I was hoping one of you would answer it or at least tell me who I should be getting the answer from, you know, and, and so having that discussion and then saying, okay, well, who's the right person? What's their roles? And then what's reasonable? If this is, you know, should they get back to you in 24 hours or 48 hours, you know, even just to say, hey, I'm really busy right now, so I can't get this to you until the end of the week. But you know, what's reasonable and how do we want to hold ourselves accountable to that role, you know? Um, and that's going to differ depending on, on where you are, what your level is, what your work is. Um, but it does get down to that level of specificity with certain behaviors um, that, you know, we sometimes just interpret things in, in, in as being disrespectful when maybe the intent is not for them um, to be that. Uh, so, getting that code of civility that defines that as well as strategies for continuing to improve civility. Um, you know, what things are we going to continue to work on? Well, we're going to continue to meet every other week and check in with each other and see how things are going and, and make updates to this. 
And how are we going to hold each other accountable when something doesn't go right? Because we know that's going to happen. We can't account for everything. Um, and really the push that that we give to these groups is that they have accountability and ownership of this and, and they should try to work it out together before it becomes escalated to something larger. You know, so starts with those small behaviors that could escalate into something that results in a, a complaint or something legally um, that could be uh, filed. We don't want it to get to that level, so how are you going to deal with it sooner? So trying to push for them to not just say, well, nobody else will do anything. Well, what can you do? And if you can't address it between yourselves, how can you get others to help you with that? And then if you do need to go to leadership, leadership needs to understand where their level of accountability is for that and, and sign off and say that they're going to be accountable. Wow. And it really, it does, it really sets that tone for that, not just that group, but then once you have that, I think, like you said, I think that there are aspects of it that can be general for the organization and that can be published, you know, uh, saw an article about a company in California where they developed a civility code and they, they made a poster out of it and they put it in the lobby where not only will the employees see it, but their clients, their customers can see it as well. And, it, and that transparency of we agree to respect each other here, um, I think it, that's, that's a culture thing. If you can start there and then push it down to where people individually really um, have a part of it, have ownership and accountability for it. Wow, that's some powerful stuff. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So I know Kelly and I probably have a thousand more questions for you, and I know that our audience um, will have just as many questions for you. Um, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to that they can find you? Well, we of course we, they can find us on the web. We have a website. Um, it's marcusmgmt.com. M-A-R-C-U-S mgmt.com um, and there's ways to contact us through there. Um, you can also email me directly at Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E at MarcusMGMT.com. Perfect. This has been such a pleasure talking to you. Um, I hope you'll join us again sometime and we hope, Kelly, do you have anyth anything to say before I close us out? The only thing I was going to ask is if there's just any other final thoughts or tips that you wanted to share with employers um, when they're taking on this initiative of civility. So I think that, you know, first off is just, you know, leaders need to realize that this investment will pay returns. That um, Oftentimes, I think that this is one of those areas when we first start talking to companies about it, they say, you know, civility, they just, you know, sounds kind of squishy. Um, or, or you talk about kumbaya kind of thing and, and not understanding that there are real costs to disrespect and incivility in the workplace. And there are some real benefits that can impact their bottom line. So it's worth the investment. Um, and then the other thing that I think really stands out to me is that, um, you know, the assessment piece is so important. 
and can help them to understand better what's going on in their organization and where there are needs um, to intervene, as well as where there are bright spots to highlight and, and celebrate. And, you know, if, the, if, if they're not sure about this, they don't know where to, you know, they're not sure what to do, um, I would say, you know, start with an assessment and then be ready to act on the information that comes out of that. Um, because that's going to set you up for um, better success for the future. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, we, we appreciate you joining us today, and thank everyone for joining us on this uh, podcast for the EEO Studio. Um, we have such an exciting lineup for the rest of the session. You know, um, Mark and Debbie both have talked about the EEOC training. We're going to be hearing from some people from the EEOC. We're going to talk about it from a legal aspect. So we'll have an attorney talking to us about the pros and cons and what to look for. We have some people coming in from um, a corporation. We have someone doing some things with, with government and community. We just have a great lineup of, of speakers coming in. So we certainly hope you'll join us and you all have a wonderful day. Thank you. Great. Thank you. And if you would like to learn a little bit more about DCI Consulting Group, please go to our website at www.dciconsult.com. Thank you.